Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. We've opted to include a disclaimer for this episode as it's somewhat different from the episodes we've previously done. The thoughts and opinions reflected in this podcast are our own. We are in no way sponsored by any authors, nor do we receive any benefits, monetary or otherwise, from the content we produce. All reviews are honest ones. We are in no way kink-shaming to each their own. We've opted to include a trigger warning in this week's episode. Um, there's talk of non-consensual acts, dubious consent, public humiliation, rape, molestation, stalking, coercion, violence, physical, and mental abuse. In this week's episode, we will be discussing the second book in the Lords of Forsyth University series, Lords of Wrath. If you listened to our previous episode on book one in this series, you know that we both have very strong opinions on this series and the way that these characters behave. That has not changed with book two. No, it has not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. Buckle Uh, up. (laughs) Exactly. Prepare yourselves, because do Ashley and I have a whole lot of thoughts that we're going to be sharing with you. For those of you who did not listen to our first episode on book one, we weren't big fans. I would venture to say that we disliked it. Um Mostly because of how the three men in the harem treat the female main character's story. And that pattern continues in book two. So let's jump into a brief summary of the book. In book two, Story sets out to get her revenge after finding out that her connections with the guys have been manufactured in order to gain points in a competition between the three of them to take her virginity. Now that her virginity is gone, Story is trying to use the attraction she knows the guys all have for her as a way to manipulate them and gain her revenge. All right, Ash, how did we feel about Story throughout this book? So I definitely like Story much more in this book than I did in the first book because she shows a lot of progression as a character. She gets a little bit more of a backbone. She's sticking up for herself. She's seeking revenge on the guys. And I think that, you know, she was just kind of like, uh, I don't know whether it's like to say like demure is the correct term because, you know, she did kind of have a slight backbone maybe in the first book, but not anything like the story that we're seeing in this this one Mm -hmm. so i'm glad that that's happening but i still don't think that um the type of abuse that she endures from this from these guys is something that i would tolerate and i'm not sure whether it's some sort of like sick stockholm syndrome or self-confidence issue or if she's just that afraid of ted but Story, you are so much better than this, and you deserve better than these things that are happening to you. And if you were my friend, I would tell you to get the fuck away from these people. Get far away. Listen, Ashley doesn't play when it comes to being honest with her friends. So (laughs) if Ashley was friends with Story, first of all, Ashley would be at the door of that frat house ready to fight (laughs) every single one of these guys. I'm a little bit of a ruffian. I'll play around. (laughs) She would not be standing for this treatment at all. (laughs) And it's just, uh, it's, 
she's just so damaged that she thinks that she's it, like I, I guess she thinks she's in love with them like yeah I guess uh, my my issue with it is you can't present story to me as a character and not like explicitly say as the author like this character the way that they're processing their trauma the way that they're going through everything is not healthy like we as an author we need to lay it out that story is not dealing with things well they they had another author's note at the beginning of this book it was slightly better than the one in the first book but again we're not being explicit and i wish that they would be more explicit about the fact that this the way that story is reacting to the abuse i I would say is not uncommon for abuse victims, but what we should be doing as people is being like, Hey, let's have story move away from her abusers, come to the realization that she does deserve better, come to the realization that she should be separating herself from these people who have done awful, terrible things to her. But do we get that? No, we get the exact fucking opposite. <laughs> She's just like running into their open arms. <laughs> and there, it's just sad. Uh, and I feel like there was attempted redemption in this book. And it, I just wasn't going for it. I saw that some people in some of the reverse harem groups were like, I was really feeling badly for the guys when Story was getting her revenge on them. And I was just like, I didn't. I fucking didn't. I, I wanted her to do worse. She I'm, didn't do nearly as much to them as I wanted her to do. And we'll talk exactly about, you know, some of the ways that Story gets her revenge. There's there's something that Sam, like, has strong opinions about. And, you know, I have a diff- somewhat differing opinion about. But we'll, we'll get to that. Um, I did want to add that she, like kills someone to save Rath's life. So that was kind of cool. Um, but there's still some other really cringe ass shit. Um, so can I like say my, my few things that I've picked out here? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So there's a part where it's like stories like who better to give my virginity to than the man I hate the most. And I'm like, anyone fucking else anyone else story anyone yes just anyone and like story's not an unattractive woman like you can literally have any fucking guy and you go into the arms of your fucking creepy stepbrother that masturbates on your lips when you're sleeping i think that's like my core issue with this story is like yes our main character is damaged yes she's dealing with trauma But the way that this story unfolds, it rings that idea of like, if you're damaged, you attract other damaged people and you deserve to be treated badly by those other damaged people. And it's like, no, that's not the case. You can be damaged and working through your trauma and be in healthy relationships while doing that. You don't have to be in this fucking toxic relationship. (laughs) It's just, I don't know why I'm laughing at that, but. It's just awful. And and this book is, these, this series is just so well-liked. And the hype train was so real. And I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And 
like, I don't want this to come off as rude either, but, like, the writing isn't exceptionally good. It's not like, you know, the plot is fantastic or that all of the smut, I mean, because there is some good smut in this book, but it's like, it's not like every scene is amazing. And I'm going to tell you a specific issue that I just had as I was going through this. There's like a part, there's, you know, something happens and Killian's like, oh, from now on, you're going to sleep in my bed. And she's like, oh, like, when Killian's asleep, like, you think he's dead. But then, like, a few chapters later, it's like, Killian snores when he's sleeping. <laughs> Those two things don't match. So what is it? Like, where's your editor, like, who's like, hey, there's no continuity here. And this is like, I mean, I noticed that just skimming the book right before we made this episode. Literally today, I noticed that. So, hey, if you're looking for an editor for your book... <laughs> Ashley will be our continuity (laughs) editor. Like, fuck! (laughs) But I also loved uh, where the story is calling Killian Dimitri while he's fucking her, or, like, while he thinks he's dream-fucking her, and he also does this, and she also does this and calls him Tristan. But I'm also like, is he a fucking idiot that he really thinks that you can have sex with someone who's asleep? And, like, apparently he has a massive cock. So, like, you would have to know that someone's penetrating you. I laughed so much that first time when she was like, Dimitri. And I I read this book before Ashley did. I wanted to take a screenshot of that and send it to Ashley and be like, look, story finally has a backbone. But I didn't because I didn't want to spoil anything for Ashley. But I loved that. Even though it just showed what a big, dumb idiot Killian is, I thought that part was legitimately funny. Just, he's a fucking stupid fucking meathead. Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I love when Miss Crane calls him a fucking meathead, too. (laughs) If there's any constant from book one to book two is that we still love Miss Crane. Yeah, she's still the shit. Um, My next point that I know that Sam also is bothered by being married to someone who's a mechanic is Story's interest in Tristan's Porsche. She's like, how many horses is it? And I feel like you can tell that this is written by a woman that has no, like, no understanding of cars. Like, it's just, like, such a cringe, like, car girl scene. Like, I almost want to pull Andrew in here and be like, how would you react if someone was trying to flirt with you and asked you how many horses your car was? (laughs) It's just so fucking lame. And Tristan, like, fucking eats it up. But I mean, Tristan is Tristan, so that's kind of to be expected. The fucking golden boy. There are a lot of moments in many different books, not just this one, where I like physically cringe and am embarrassed on behalf of the female main character. And it makes me want to stop reading the book. Like it's like (laughs) when I'm watching The Office and Michael Scott does something like particularly awfully embarrassing and he should be embarrassed, but he's not. Andrew will make me turn off the episode. Andrew can't even like 
deal with anything that's even comes close to secondhand embarrassment well that's like i feel like that's the time period especially that the office was filmed in there was still a lot of cringe shit going on like racist shit sexist shit on tv that watching it now you're like oh my god how is this on television like how how was this okay to say at that time and it's just like you know, being as someone who's learned better, you're like, oh, this is just cringe and awful. I can't even tell you the amount of times I've been watching a show by myself. Andrew's been doing something else like next to me and something like moderately embarrassing will start to happen. And he'll just turn off the TV in the middle of the show. And he's like, you have to watch it when I'm not in the room. He literally cannot deal with it. Andrew's like, that's a big old nope right there. <laughs> so that's how I feel reading all this shit that story does. And I feel like we haven't really, I mean, I haven't experienced that since Havoc with Bernie, because she's like the queen of saying some cringe-ass shit. Like, yes, there's some cringe Bernie quotes, but I got another one. He's good at burying his face between my legs and bringing me off. And that's a quote from Story about Killian eating her out. And I just feel like bringing off is a terrible term. Like, why couldn't you just say getting me off? Like, I realize that that's, you know, the term that everybody uses, but that's like the accepted term. I wish you could see my face right now that I'm making at this phrase. What, bringing me off? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I want to take a picture of my face and send it to you. Like, I'm just like, why? Why would you choose to phrase it that way? You're trying to be different and you're trying to write something that's going to set you apart because, you know, when we read a genre like this, I think that, you know, most of us who write things like this are also reading it. So you kind of want to set your book apart from other books, but like you're going to go with bringing me off instead of like getting me off or fucking making me come or something like, I don't know. It's just, I I didn't like that. (laughs) Um, The tracker. Let's talk about this fucking tracker. So after, in book one, at the end of book one, Story gets kidnapped by one of the rival fraternities, and they try to rape her and steal her virginity, because, you know, virginity above everything else. Coveted in this series. So in order to prevent her from being able to go places and them not know where she is, Tristan comes up with the idea that they're going to insert a tracker underneath her skin and she starts freaking out about this but not for the reasons that you would think that she would be freaking out about this no not at all not for the reason you think she's gonna be freaking out at fucking all our little friend's story is more concerned about the pain associated with getting the tracker than the fact that it's a fucking tracker. And Ray, sweet angel Ray, even numbs her. But she's like begging and pleading with with Tristan and she's like, I'll be good. And Wrath is pretty much like, Jesus fucking Christ story. Can you just get your shit together? She's also freaking out about going into the basement again. And it's like, yes, obviously the basement is triggering for you because there's also been terrible things that have happened for you. But, like, big picture story, these bitches are trying to inject you with a tracker. That should be the most concerning thing on your mind. And it's just, like... And then after the fact, she's like, oh, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. It didn't hurt at all. 
Again, still not what you should have been worried about. like, at all. Like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I, I, again, this is another point that makes me be like, why are people so in love with this series? And this kind of goes with the fact that I really think that if you're putting some good smut in your books, people will really read anything. And I think that's really what rings true here is... (laughs) You can put as much gross shit as you want into a book, as much fucked up shit. If the smut is decent, there's going to be an audience for it. That's just how thirsty us romance readers are. Are Ashley and I going to read book three? Yes. Hell yeah. We're we're invested now, bitches. Gots to see it through, my boy. Gots to see it through. <sighs> okay. So, like, she's getting her revenge in this book on all three of the guys. And I was like, yes, I want her to get revenge. Like, that's the part of bully romances that I look forward to the most. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking of, like, um, Tatum in The Brutal Boys of Everlake Prep with her list of, like, everything that the guys did to her that she's going to get back at them for. That's the kind of revenge I was looking for. Story's revenge felt very half-hearted to me in general. I liked... What she did to Wrath, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. I felt like that was, like, the most well-thought-out, well-planned thing that she did and, like, hit him where it hurts kind of thing. But I felt like she barely did anything to Tristan. Like, I wanted her to, like, really dig in and do something that really hurt him. And she was just like, I fucked around with his head. And it's like, did you? Like, you at, at a certain point, you were giving him roadhead in the car. Like... Who who were you hurting here? Oh, and then, like, being, like, upset with him, upset with him, like, after the tracker, like, when you're, like, story, you're not fucking actually really upset with him. You're just, like, giving him a hard time. That's why she, like, asked to sleep in Rath's room and, like, just because she knew it would hurt Tristan because he, like, is the one out of, well, I mean, you could argue that Rath has some pretty strong feelings, but Tristan, like, early on, we were aware that he had feelings but yeah I just it really could have been better with the revenge they really deserved more than what she did that's what I'm like Tristan fucking raped you in high school this is the revenge you chose to get on him like go for it all girl really plan something Tristan and Wrath like both pretty much raped her in high school like but, and, and we'll Killian talk more about the Killian revenge later. But in general, I wanted her revenge to be, like, really well thought out, well planned, and well executed. And that's not really what we saw. It was disappointing. It was disappointing. Well, and, I mean, you're going to f- see, too, like, pretty much her whole grand plan with Ted. Like, it's not, I don't know, it's, like, that's a fucking half-assed thing, too, I feel like. Just the way that she thought that this shit was going to go down and then when shit actually happens, it's not nearly as bad as it should have been. All right. How are we feeling about Killian in book two? Oh, killer. So I am a pretty, like, crude, crass person. Like, I cuss all the time. You know, I'm also a parent, but I work in vet medicine and I feel like that's very common for the field because our patients, like, don't, you know, speak English. (laughs) Um, but I dislike the way that Killian talks about story. As I forced myself into her tight virgin cunt, 
I have I don't have a problem with the word cunt or like pussy or anything like that. I hate romance books that use the word sex and like and <laughs> like as a replacement for those words. I'm like, no, just use the actual fucking word. How about just referring to it as a whole? <laughs> <laughs> Into her tight virgin hole. Literally, the book I just finished, I'm not gonna mention names. Uh the book I just finished at one point the guy's being mean to her and he goes oh well if it isn't my favorite hole (laughs) jesus christ i like that though that's funny (laughs) (laughs) i just think that this is an awful way to speak about taking someone's virginity like it just shows what a fucking terrible animalistic meat-headed jerk of an idiot that Killian Payne is. You know what would be a great twist is if this all turned out to be a paranormal romance and said and Killian is like a shifter and that's why he has all this pent up rage inside of him. I wish that that was, I feel like if this were a paranormal romance it would be a lot better. I agree. (laughs) Uh, Let's be realistic though. I feel like paranormal romances like in a lot of ways are superior to just like your normal romance they're more fun to read yeah you can just kind of like make it up to be like whatever you want so there's that there's a part where Killian says I won her fair and square like she is a fucking possession instead of an actual human being with feelings to make her own decisions you know like an object yeah like oh like this is mine now i've fucked it (laughs) he's gonna pee on her next yeah fuck i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) given neither would i given the carnival scene nothing will surprise me (laughs) that's where we're at with the series there is nothing that is going to shock us at any point anymore Uh, we're calling it for book three there's gonna be killian pain story piss play piss kink it's coming (laughs) which if you're into that like that's totally cool but we're just saying like killian i would peg him as someone who's into that sort of thing would you peg him (laughs) i don't know if i would peg anyone i that might be too much for me that might be another one of those where ashley draws the lines you can't see it but i'm shaking my head at you right now what like is it like you're disappointed yes real <laughs> feminist peg men peg men 2021 especially with like all of my like aggressive energy exactly <laughs> oh i don't know i think in the bedroom i'm a little more uh subdued but <laughs> um anyway <laughs> You're dreaming about being split open on my dick. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Nope. Uh, That's a no from me, dog. I don't think I've ever dreamt about being split open on anybody's dick. No. Ever. Like, it's just such, like, weird fucked up phrasing. Like, is this, like, a fucking porno? Or is this, like, a dark romance book? I think that Killian lives his life thinking that he is a porn star i don't know what the fuck is wrong with that man like he is and there's a scene where like tristan's talking about like killian and his dad getting in a 
like a physical altercation when Killian was 14 and got into Daniel's coke. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm shocked that Killian Payne would even do coke, but I guess that's a thing. At least when he was 14, maybe he like wasn't as serious about like football and working out and all that kind of shit but i just thought that that was surprising yeah he's too mature for coke now he's really grown out of his coke phase especially like they give wrath so much shit about like smoking weed and stuff like that i don't know Mm -hmm. i just i felt like that was weird it was kind of like a weird like afterthought thing it felt like again like who was your editor the fact that he's only performed oral sex on Story and one other woman, I'm just gonna say it right now. If your significant other will not perform oral sex on you... Looking at you, DJ Khaled. Yeah, there is something wrong with that. Like, because you better believe I am not putting your dick anywhere near my mouth if you're not willing to go down on me. And, I, like, I, I won't even have sex with you if you're not willing to go down on me. Like, Christ. Um, Tristan cleaning his cum off of himself first with the washcloth before giving it to Story. No, Killian, not Tristan. Oh, yes, Killian, that's what I mean. Him is what I have in my notes. I forgot where we were. Him cleaning his cum off of himself with the washcloth before he gives it to her. And this is after he fucks her and comes inside of her and she wants to take a shower and he says no because he doesn't wash, he doesn't want her washing him off of her like out of her gross so he goes and cleans himself first and i feel like oh that's like i'm sure story is like oh like he's doing something nice for me but no he actually cleaned his dick off first and then hands you this dirty washcloth that he's rubbed his dick on like selfish 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 yeah, like, just, uh, just so typical. Typical Killian Payne. Like, it just, he's the fucking worst. I have never hated a character as much as I hate Killian. Big same. Um, this one is huge for me, and I think that I brought this up, like, several times as Sam and I were talking about this before we started recording. But the fucking peanut butter sandwich, like, it's a goddamn olive branch. Like, Story latches on to the fact that Killian fucks her and then makes her a peanut butter sandwich because she's hungry and thinks that he is, like, God's gift to the world. (laughs) Like, Tristan feeds her all the time. And, like, just because it's Killian and it's so unexpected that it's a huge fucking deal. Like, literally, he, like, Killian in his internal monologue is like, maybe I'll try to not verbally abuse her and maybe she'll like me more. And so, like, he, like, he's like, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for this. I'm imagining him, like, being one of those kids who doesn't want to talk to their friend after they've just like done something bad to them but they want to make it up to them so they like have their peace offering in their hand but they're like holding their hand out while closing their eyes and turning their head because they don't (laughs) want to acknowledge the fact that they did anything wrong uh that's exactly what it's like (laughs) it's just terrible like take this peanut butter sandwich yeah, and it's like it's brought up several times. Like it's just, ugh, it's the worst. It's 
the worst <laughs> and I hate it. Um, no, no kink shaming. No kink shaming happening here. Uh, and I know that a lot of kinks that are very like big and popular kind of all surround this idea of like the forbidden. Like um, when you look at popular porn searches like student teacher relationships, uh, step family, all that kind of stuff. Killian has a serious like little sister, stepsister kink that is like next level. And at a certain point, he like starts referring to story as little sister while they're doing something gross. And it was just, it really <laughs> took me to a place where I was like on the verge of gagging while reading the story. Yeah, it's just not for me. And I mean, I'm totally like, you know, I know that that's a thing for a lot of people. And that's, I'm totally cool with that. But, and I think that if, if Killian was actually a decent person, like, hell yeah, I'd be all, all about it. Like, yeah, fuck me, hot stepbrother. But like, be nice to me at the same time. And Killian just is not that way. <laughs> it was gross just gross just a fucking weirdo there's just there's something wrong with him that boy ain't right no he is not i mean look at who his father is speaking of we find out a lot more about killian's relationship with his father and it's a lot more tumultuous than what we originally thought in book one to the point where it's very obvious that killian and his father have gotten into like physical fights that there is a very um a lot of animosity between them and we get a lot more of an explanation about what's going on with the south side why they're so involved with the south side and it's all linked back to killian's father all right um next we are going to talk about our thoughts on tristan in this book we just need to break you in a little more that's all uh cringe just i'm i'm vomiting everywhere like yes sure that's a great thing to say to the girl who like i feel like he's tristan's like in love with her like that's that's what you're gonna go with about her being sore after sex for the first time that's what every girl wants to hear right yeah oh yeah just whisper those types of sweet nothings in my ear that'll really make me want to fuck you (laughs) (laughs) just awful nope uh, they light Perez's G-Wagon on fire and then stop and get ice cream. Yeah, we find out that Tristan's a fucking pyromaniac in this book, which was actually one thing I really liked about it. I did too! I was like, wow, that's really fitting. <laughs> Little fire bug. If he's gonna be crazy, I'm down with him being crazy and lighting fires. Like, I can get down with that. Yeah, that meant, like, the ski masks. That was, like, really cute, I thought. But I, I also feel like it's, like, obvious, like, after what happened, they know, they should know. They know that it's fucking the Lords. Mm-hmm. And, and by the Lords, I mean Tristan and Story, but this is a huge one for me that also is another car thing that annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan buys her a car, and I know beggars can't be choosers, but, like, a Charger was the best you could do. Not even a challenger. Like, 
the Mercer money is supposed to run deep, and actually, like, Rath makes a comment about the Mercer, like, he was like, oh, well, sorry I couldn't buy you a car, like, the Mercer money, the Mercer money, like, you know, is excessive, or what the fuck ever, but, like, a charger? That's, I don't know, I was, ex- I was expecting something nicer. Listen, I like chargers. I'm down with it. I mean, I don't know, I just, nah. I feel like there's better things you could have picked. He drives a fucking Porsche. I don't like Porsches. That's funny to me. I would ha- I would rather have a Dodge Charger than a Porsche. I mean, I don't... I'm indifferent either way. I don't care about cars. But I just think, like, something <laughs> more expensive would have been... Like, I don't know. I just expected more from Tristan, who supposedly has all this money. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so Tristan is dealing with the fact that his ex-girlfriend who like cheated on him and broke his heart in high school, that heartbreak that eventually led to him deciding that sexual assault was one way to deal with heartbreak, uh, turns up at the university when she was originally going to like Brown or something. Because her dad has cancer. Yeah, her dad has cancer and she's transferred to be closer to home because of it. And Tristan immediately like reverts back to this like petulant man child about the entire situation like oh she broke my heart Mm." and i'm just like wow you're such a giant man baby i thought that part was funny i want more of like introducing people who make the guys uncomfortable on purpose because that's what i enjoy out of this story (laughs) we want to see them squirm yes please but it's also like tristan this was in high school like Get the fuck over it. She was fucking the softball coach, man. Exactly. Like, you're really holding on to this grudge this strongly where you're like, I'm going to fucking ruin her because she set foot in this university. It's like, my guy. Uh, you got to learn how to let things go and move on. This is not a good look for you. Yeah, especially like when he has Story, who he's fucking borderline obsessed with, too. Like, it's just fucking let it go. Um, What else did I want to say? So, eventually the guys find out about Story's uh, revenge plans and, like, the little things that she's been doing to them. And Tristan believes that Story was, like, threatening his little sisters, which wasn't Story. But he turns on her on a fucking dime so quickly. And then when he realizes that she never really did anything to him, he has, like, this semblance of guilt, but he still tries to make himself the victim in every single situation. Like you are the problem. (laughs) Yeah. That's his immaturity really shows in that area. I think that's really my root issue with all three of these guys. They are so fucking immature with how they approach everything in life. They're always the victim. They never do anything wrong. God forbid. And whenever someone does something to them, they have to take it back at them at, like, level 100 instead of just, like, coping with the fact that bad things happen to you sometimes. Oh, man. It's, like, even recording this episode is hard because this shit, like, Sam was, you know, we, like, text each other, obviously, when we're reading this. And this was a hard read for me. Like, there were times where I told her, like, I don't know if I can do this. And it's, you know, rare, I feel like, for a book to put me in that place. But, like, Mm -hmm. this book, oh, it just, it gets to me a lot. It's very heavy, just constantly, like, heaviness. 
it and it never really lets up for story like there's never a time where i'm like yes story is finally like in a much better place like it's like every time i think something good could be happening she's immediately torn back down dimitri wrath wrathbone what do we think about him in book two uh i'm so back and forth with wrath all the time so he's like hot and he's cold and he's difficult to read you know he'll do like some small gesture that's like sweet to story but then he does like really fucked up shit Mm -hmm. and it's just uh i don't know i don't like him as much as i like tristan but I like him more than I like Killian. Keep in mind, like is a general term <laughs> yeah, that's being a, used here. This is very, a very loose term here. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of any of these guys. But if I had to rank them, that would be my ranking system, or my, that would be my rank, I guess. <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he does some cute gestures. Um, it's nothing like a peanut butter sandwich, but... <laughs> yeah, we don't get to that level, you know. So, he... There's, like, a scene where him and Story are in the bathtub together, and they're smoking weed, and he references Robert Frost, and she had, like, been helping him work on a report about, like, Robert Frost's poetry, which she, she does make a good point, and she's like, what is this, like, ninth grade, like, lit class? <laughs> seriously like, like this is yeah. not college level assignments no. that we're talking about here and i'm like uh and he's just making her do all, all the entire thing but anyway she like notices that he has a thing of epsom salts and like miss crane had given her some and like asked about you know like oh like don't let that boy like ride you too hard or like come to me and i'll deal with it or whatever but she realizes <laughs> that like Wrath probably gave Miss Crane those Epsom salts to give to Story to be like, hey, like, have her use these because I know Killian is a fucking psychopath. Can't fucking deal with your Miss Crane voice. (laughs) She gets accurate? Probably. (laughs) Well, fuck, I forgot how I was doing. (laughs) I just kind of slipped into it. It was very unintentional. Uh, his attachment to Story calling him Dimitri, I think, is kind of cute. And then, you know, you can tell when she calls him Wrath that she's not as into him and is disappointed with him. And it is cute when he asks her why she stopped. And it's like, you, Dimitri, you fucking know why she stopped. Because you're acting like a fucking douchebag. That would require him to have self-awareness. That's true, which I feel like, I don't know. No, I mean, none of them. I can't even do a ranking for which one has the worst self-awareness. I guess it would have <laughs> to be Killian. I mean, Killian, Wrath, and then Tristan, right? It's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> I know. And that's, they're just all equally as awful. I was really proud of Story for emotionally distancing herself from Wrath in order to better exact her revenge. And she's emotionally distancing herself by calling him Wrath instead of Dimitri. But like Ashley was saying, he starts being a whiny little piss baby about her not calling him Dimitri. And they're like (laughs) laying in bed and he's like, 
you don't you don't call me Dimitri anymore. And it's like, yeah, bitch, of course she doesn't. I wouldn't either when you're being such a fucking asshole. Yeah, like you fucking deserve that. Uh, just so so immature and like uh, but th- that's know. like the thing is they don't think they deserve anything like they 100% think that they are in the right all the time yeah it's just really fucking annoying this is an example where the smut is at least somewhat redeeming I was reading that edging scene today with her and Dimitri and holy fuck it was hot I yeah. was like wow it's a good scene so if you're into edging and you you don't even have to like this series but that's a good one um quality smut there some of the smut is really well written as much as i dislike so many of these characters i will give it to them that they're they're good at writing smut oh do you want to oh we skipped do you want to talk about the scene the smutty scene that you liked so uh Tristan and Story have sex for the first time while they're watching uh Killian's football game in the theater room of the frat house with the rest of the frat and he like sits Story on his lap and puts a blanket over top of them and he's like fucking her in the back of the theater room while everyone else is in there and it's really fucking hot like it's a hot scene to read through not all of the smut does it for me in this book but that that was good well, yeah, that whole, like, you know, there's people there, like, oh. They could turn around quiet. at any point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good, very good. One, in addition to Story getting her revenge, she's also, like Ashley said earlier, getting revenge with the boys on the frats that kidnapped her. So her and Tristan go and light the one guy's car on fire, and then her and Wrath go to the prince's house and go into the nursery and paint the walls with blood and like bloody pentagrams and stabbing a teddy bear into the wall that they covered in blood. And like that part of the story is fun. Like I like seeing her have some autonomy and go and do things and get back at people who wronged her. Like that's what I want to see instead of story being constantly made the victim. Yeah, and that scene, like, that was just really well written, and I, I loved it. It appealed to the weirdo in me, and I just thought that it was, like, a nice, fun addition to the book. You know, who doesn't love, like, a bloody pentagram here and there? I, I really liked it, and obviously, Ashley and I, I would not categorize either of us as normal people but (laughs) like that kind of thing lightened the mood as much as you can say that covering a nursery with pig's blood can lighten a mood but it did because it was like her and wrath working together instead of the guys constantly hurting story and we'll you know we're gonna explain in the next part like why they even did this like what motivated them to do this because i don't think that we talked about that yet was this not motivated by them kidnapping Story, or was this a different thing? No, this... Okay, well, I'm just going to say it now, because we're, like, here. But this is this is uh, because Wrath believes that they had something to do with, like, what happened at the recital. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's what that has to do with. Okay. So it's, like, she, you know... I mean, the kidnapping was not her fault, but this, like, she... 
she gets one over on Wrath pretty good with that, I think. <laughs> she does. That's, that's what I'm saying. The revenge that she got against Wrath. So let's talk about this. So story sets out in this story to every time I say her name and then I have to say story. Story sets out in this story. <laughs> <laughs> to get revenge on all three guys. And I, the revenge that she got on Wrath was the best one out of all the three. So Ash, can you lay out for us what she did? Oh, it's so good. So Wrath has this big, like, piano recital coming up, and there's going to be, like, um, I think it was, like, was it, like, Juilliard or some Like, some places yeah, are going to be there. it was Juilliard. Like, yeah, so there's going to be people here watching this performance who are, like, really important to the future of his music career, which we know that Wrath takes very seriously. Um and Story pretty much ruins this because he, he asks her to help him write, like, a little bio to be put in the pamphlet, like, the little, um, what's that called? Come on, Sam, help me out here. The program. The fucking program. Yeah, there we go. The, the pamphlet. <laughs> to be put I mean, in I knew pro- what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, to be put in the program for this recital. And he, she edits it, but that's not what she hands in. No, so it's not. basically like just saying like what like a terrible person he is, <laughs> and like she calls him out for not being able to read, doesn't she? Yeah, she calls him illiterate. Yeah, she's like fucking ruthless. Like it's, it's like mean, but I think it's very deserving. And Wrath believes that it is the princess. Because she's the assistant for his, I can't remember, for his, I guess, is it music professor? I don't, I don't. Yeah, it was the professor that was putting together the showcase. Yeah, the recital, but she's the, you know, the teacher's assistant or whatever you call it in college. I don't know if that's still what it's called. Yeah, it's the TA. Um, Yeah, so that she's the TA, so story, like, frames her for this, and that's why they go and put the the blood all over the nursery but also back to that we should add a little bit about why it's they even have a nursery and why like the blood everywhere is like such a weird thing um the princes have a princess and the point of the princess is for them to fucking impregnate her you know normal college things like and it's like this weird, like, is it a weird breeder kink? Or like, was this just offhandedly thrown in there? Like, is there going to be a book about this? Will the bastard child of the princes know who their actual father is? It's been like three years since they've been successfully <laughs> able to impregnate a princess. Like, are all these men infertile? Like, is there something wrong with these women? Like, Because I'll tell you from experience, sometimes it only takes one time. (laughs) It really felt like it was just kind of thrown in there out of nowhere. Like, oh, by the way, the princes are all trying to get the princess pregnant, and that's the whole point of her. Oh, fuck! And don't they put Baron, like they paint Baron on the the wall? Yeah, they fucking do. (laughs) They're fucking wild. Too wild. Um, but yeah, that's, that was a cool scene. It's a weird concept with the princes and the princess. Like, I don't know what made them think of this. 
Like, I don't know why each house has to have its own weird fucking thing. Like, the dukes, like, fighting and, like... Was it the dukes or the barons who liked fighting? I can't remember. I don't fucking know. Who knows? I, I can't keep know. them all straight. Whatever. The, the fucking not frat house frat houses. So, that was her revenge on Wrath. And then her revenge on Tristan was to, like, play with his feelings and, like, manipulate him. And she, like, takes advantage of the fact that his ex is there and, like, plays around with that whole situation. But the thing... So this is where Ashley and I disagree. Her revenge on Killian. So I'm going to lay out what she does. Obviously, you will come to your own opinions. I will say mine, and then Ashley will say her piece. So Story's revenge on Killian is during one of their frat parties, she drugs all three of the guys simultaneously. But then... She is waiting for Killian in his bed when he comes back. And he and is fucked up. He's really fucked up. And it's part of his, like, pregame ritual because this is the party before one of his games. And he's, like, very serious about his rituals to the point where, like, it's part of the contract that she had to sign with them. And so she's waiting in his bed and she rapes him. She straight up rapes him. And so that he doesn't remember, like, anything that happened because she drugged him. And then she destroys all of the other, like, items that are required for the rest of his rituals. Wait, and wait, 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 wait. What? He does end up remembering it. Yeah. Because but... of the keyword. <laughs> yes. Because she says big bro at one point. <laughs> she says big brother, not big bro. Whatever. But my opinion on this is that I thought it was gross. I thought it was extremely gross because of the fact that, like, you have been in the place where you are being sexually assaulted. Even if it's, like, for revenge, I don't ever see, like, I don't see how you could want to do that to another person. I can see chopping his dick off. I can see just straight up murdering him. I'm down with any of those options. But, like, sexually assaulting him back just rings like a weird note with me. Ashley, however, disagrees. Well, I was going to say that like, you know, I can't actually like my sexual abuser, like I wouldn't rape him, but like, oh yeah, I would a hundred percent like chop his dick off. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think that, you know, I'm not someone who's, like, easily triggered by rape or non-con, I guess, but, like, I just, I didn't think it was that gross, and I think in a lot of ways it paid homage to the fact that Killian has been sexually abusing her when she was vulnerable, like, asleep for fucking years, and honestly, it makes me feel good that he got a taste of his own medicine because he's a horrible fucking person. But, like, do I think that there were better ways that Story could have gone about it? Like, I mean, I think it would have been better if she would have, like, shoved something up his ass and, like, recorded it or something rather than, like, fucking him, but... I'm firmly on team chop his dick off. (laughs) Well, I don't... She wouldn't do that because she still has some weird, sick obsession with fucking him too so i don't i don't know and i guess that's the other part is like was this really revenge like no or was this or was this part of her enacting some sort of like sick twisted fantasy that she has 
That's true. That's true. But, I mean, as we've already established, like, if someone is asleep or, like, heavily under the influence, they are not able to consent. No, this was absolutely rape. Even though I'm sure that Killian, like, has no problem with this. Like, I mean, I feel like the tying up part would be the only part that he's, like, not cool with. But, like, if Story's gonna fuck him, he's down. So, in general... To summarize, I'm on team cut his dick off. Ashley's on team story getting revenge however she wants. Yeah. I mean, you do you, girl. (laughs) I still would have shoved something up his ass and recorded it and sent it out. That, to me, would have been the worst, a, a worse form of punishment, especially after he made her suck his dick in front of a whole fucking frat house. Like record you shoving something up his ass and send it out to the frat house in the group chat like god damn ash i mean <laughs> at um, least he would have got to keep his dick <laughs> <laughs> okay so now we're to mine and ashley's um I don't even want to say least favorite. I don't even want the word favorite associated with this. This is the worst scene of all time that I've ever read. And we loved Den of Vipers. So I I feel like, I mean, that's really the only other thing I could think to compare this to. Right, Sam? Have you read anything else that is like, like anywhere near this? Uh, I would say the Crooked Heart series has a good amount of knife play. Um, But anyway... So once Killian puts two and two together and realizes that it's been story that's been fucking with them, their idea of appropriate ways of addressing this information is not to be like, hey, she was getting revenge because we've been torturing her and it makes sense that she would want to get back at us. No, they decided that they were going to trap her in the funhouse during a carnival and use a knife to carve their initials into her chest and then jerk off all over her face and then fuck her with the handle of the knife that they just used to violently damage her skin. And I, after I read this scene, I was like, that's it. There's, there's like, we already knew that these three guys were irredeemable. But after going through all of this, I was like, okay, I'm, there's no fucking way. I hope you all die. Uh, it's just so fucking disgusting. I, I, uh, I can't, I can't. And I'm annoyed by the fact that after this happens, they had the lady from last year come in to help Story and, like, get her cleaned up. And she has, like, fucking baby wipes. Like, let me clean the blood and semen off of you with these baby wipes. Mm -hmm. There was that whole thing where Wrath... Ugh. I can't even, like, get me talking about all of this because I hate them so much. But he was like, do I carve a D in your chest for Dimitri or an R for Wrath. And he carves an R. And then at one point, Tristan is like, you know he put an R because Dimitri wouldn't be able to do that to you. And it's like, no, bitch. No. You're the same fucking person. You're the same person. What we're not going to do is try to separate ourselves from our actions. We, we're we going to hold ourselves accountable to the really fucked up shit that we do to other people. 
Because we're adults. I was next level pissed off after this scene. It's just, it was awful. It was unnecessary. So, in addition to the carnival scene, they weren't done making Story. There's still more awful shit. Oh, Story does attempt suicide after the carnival scene. Oh, fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, which was fucking heartbreaking. I was actually crying at that point in time. Because at that point, you she... crying? Yes, I felt so awful for her. Like she's gone through such trauma, and she's just like she's given up. She's like, why am I even trying anymore? She literally is giving up on life at this point, and she shatters a mirror in her room, and she's trying to cut her wrist. And our Lord and Savior Killian Payne. <laughs> Killian stops her. And then when they're trying to deal with all of that, she starts getting text messages from Ted showing that he's about to shoot one or more of the guys. So she rushes off to try and save them and kill someone in order to save Wrath. And Killian ends up getting shot in the process. And while they're trying to deal with all of that, Story has the bright idea, once again, Story, not the brightest bulb in the pack, to rush off and confront Killian's father because she has come to the realization that Killian's father, her stepdad, must be Ted. And so she rushes off to confront him and he's like, why would I shoot my own son? Basically saying that he was Ted in the beginning, but someone else has taken over that identity at this point, and someone else had manufactured all of the things that had just happened. But he is like, you know what? You owe me, because when I married your mother, I did it with the sole intention of selling you into the sex trade and auctioning off your virginity. So you're going to pay me back for that. And in order to pay me back for that, I am going to make you work in one of my sex clubs for the night. And if you don't, I'm just going to fucking kill you. And so he puts her in one of his sex clubs and is like, you're going to fuck someone on camera. Well, no, he doesn't. It doesn't mean say he's not he's not going to kill her. Like he's going to make it so Wrath gets in trouble for ugly Nick being killed. He's oh, like, oh yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm going to pin that on Wrath. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Oh, my God. I remembered a thing that you didn't remember. That's a first. I'm so proud of you. <gasps> uh, um, so, Ash, tell us what happens when she's at the sex club. Fuck me. Like, she's, like, there, like, getting all, like, prepped and ready for this they have this thing called the pit and it's basically like a fucking auditorium so people can come and watch you watch these sex shows but they also live stream it because daniel's a fucking entrepreneur and he knows that the internet is the fucking way of the future um so basically story is like here at the club it's called like the velvet something isn't it I couldn't Fuck. tell you if you paid me. I can't remember, but it's like the Velvet something. And it's like Daniel's new club. And Pretty Nick is going to be fucking her. And like, I feel like Pretty Nick is like not like a bad looking guy, but he's just like a fucking idiot. And Wrath comes and fucking saves the day and makes a deal with 
Daniel so Story doesn't have to fuck pretty Nick in front of all these people. She's gonna be fucking Wrath in front of all these people. And I feel like, I mean, that's marginally better, but, like, she still ends up fucking him in front of a crowd of, like, gross dudes who are, Mm -hmm. like, masturbating and catcalling and shit. And Wrath, being the heaven-sent angel that he apparently is, slips a pair of AirPods into Story's ears so she doesn't have to hear. I, this whole scene, it was like, was this supposed to be Wrath's redemption? Because if so... No, absolutely not. Like, He's oh, still not redeemed. I'm not going to let that guy fuck you, but I'll fuck you in front of all these people. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is bare minimum. I, so if, you think, if you think that this character looks better in my eyes after this, you're wrong. Well, Sam, but the AirPods. <laughs> God. But the AirPods. <laughs> So her first time with Wrath, who went on this, like, long tangent when the whole bathtub scene happens, or, like, that's when he's giving her the massage after the bathtub, when he's, like, saying, like, oh, like, I would have made our first time together so good for you, and I wouldn't have just fucking rammed my cock into you like Killian did. (laughs) Is that his voice in your head? I don't fucking know. I don't know what someone with snake bite sounds like because I haven't <laughs> heard that since 2009. So. <laughs> Me and my hatred for snake bites in 2021. God continues. damn. You're just fucking roasting the shit out of him. <laughs> I'm on fire tonight. <laughs> you certainly are. <laughs> Oh, but, um, so, yeah, that's, that's the deal that they strike, and that's kind of how it is with Daniel. He doesn't do anything for anyone without needing something in return, and whether it's, whether that favor is going to be due today or next week or, you know, six years from now, you're going to fucking owe him. I feel like that scene in itself really, like, hit home to me, like, oh, this is why Killian is the way he is, because he was raised by a goddamn sociopath. Yeah. And that's like, you know, kill- I think that there's a point where Killian says, like, oh, like, yeah, my dad says, like, I have, like, we have credit at the club, like, beating, like, the fucking strip clubs to go or, or the hot brothel or whatever to go whenever we want. But he's like, you don't, like, take credit from Daniel. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, that's his life motto is don't take any favors from my father because there's always a price. Do we want to, like, segue into talking about Ted and we'll talk more about Daniel at that? Yeah, I mean, per- I'm ready to talk about Ted. So, uh, like we just talked about, Ted, it has been revealed that at the start of Ted, it was Story's stepfather. Um, but at some point, the identity of Ted was taken over by someone else and that someone else is still a mystery and that someone else is who has been threatening all the guys who arranged for Killian to be shot uh, in the South side and that someone else is continuing to terrorize her. So the question now that we have to ask ourselves is who the fuck is Ted? And I still have some questions about shit with Daniel. Like, 
he has all these like weird you know investments and weird side businesses and there's a point like we said about the roadhead with tristan that daniel somehow knows about how the fuck does he know about this these are all great questions does he have cameras in tristan's car i have no idea and like how you know we were talking about like oh like he would never have killian killed it's not because he loves killian it's because killian is a fucking investment yeah that's his future like it's just he's a gross fucking guy and he sits there and watches wrath fucking fuck story after he groomed her and assaulted her for like i don't know probably like a year when she was a teenager yeah and like daniel talks about the fact like about you know how like oh killian thought that i got story for him Yes, like, he does talk about that. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, that's he a totally a... normal thing for his teenage son to think, that he gets to own someone else. Yeah, like, I mean, Story knew about her mom, like, fucking guys, but, like, Jesus Christ. For, you know, Daniel's, for Killing to even, like, think that, like, as a child, that's fucking wild. It's too much. So, who do we think it is now? <sighs> I... In my mind, it has to be someone who either works for Daniel and has access to all of the cameras that he has everywhere, or it's someone who is involved with the fraternity because of, like, the information that they had. So, in my mind, it might be, like, that creepy guy that Story met when she was, like, applying to be the lady, or it could be, like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, Daniel's assistant or something like that. Daniel's assistant who Ted killed? Huh? Her name is, like, Vivian or something. It's, is she dead? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I am 100% sure. When did that happen? It, like, it's towards the end. Like, there's, like, photos of her, like, dead. Oh. Okay, so the first thing I see are tits and the three letters carved in the valley between them. It's oh, not was her. that her? Yeah, it's Viv. Yep. Oh, I remembered the fact that it was like a copycat killing, but I didn't realize it was her. Thought you'd want to know boss man is on a rampage about this. He says he saw the same marks on your girl earlier. If I were you, I'd start hiding. Shit's about to get heavy. That's right, because pretty Nick texted them about it. Yeah, pretty beautiful, obedient Vivian. The word whore is written sloppily overhead in blood. The three of us share a grim look. Barons, wrath wonders, eyes troubled and weary. I shake my head. They don't care about Southside spats. So obviously can't be Vivian since she's fucking dead. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good alibi. That, that is what makes me think it's Story's mom. I mean, like, I'm, down, I'm down with it. God, what a fucking plot twist that would be, though. Like, I mean, how would, what would Story even do? Like, would she kill her? I doubt it. It'd be great if it was, like, Story's mom with the intention of, like, saving her from these three guys that are ruining her life. I don't know. I think she would be like, no, mom, please don't. I know. That's the point that's disappointing. All right, so any other predictions for book three other than the fact that uh, Ted is Story's mom? 
Well, I think that there's going to be more stuff with Tristan because it's called Lords of Mercy. So I'm expecting something with the sisters to come into play here, even though I'm dreading that because I don't want anything to happen that, to them. But I mean, I don't think that they'll like die or anything, but I think something traumatic and terrible will happen because that's what I've come to expect from these co-authors. So I've heard that there is a happily ever after here, but my question is... In my happily ever after, the three guys die and story gets to live in peace. <laughs> I don't think the authors agree with me. No, I, I don't think so either. I don't think that that's the happily ever after that we're going to be getting. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh. All right, final thoughts on the series so far, Ash. Go for it. The repeated use of the word spunk... I hate it so much. <laughs> Please stop it. Can you just say cum or semen or like, I don't know, anything fucking else? Because I don't like the word spunk. Please stop. <laughs> uh, Miss Crane is, again, the only redeeming factor of this series for me. I love that she calls Story a fuck toy. <laughs> she, like, secretly gives her sugary cereal. She's concerned with Killian being too rough with Story. She's just an all-around fucking cool character. You learn that she was, like, the most notorious madam on the South Side in this book. She's just such a fucking badass. I did like that we got some more backstory on what all's going on in the South Side. I, en I enjoyed that being woven into the story. I felt like they did a good job with that. Well, I just, I don't know. In a lot of ways, I feel like this is one of those stories where there's just story stories. <laughs> where there's just too much shit going on at one time. Yeah. The plot could really, really be simplified here. I just, it's way too much. It's not like this is like, I don't know, like a fucking six book series. Come on, just fucking slow shit down a little bit. In general, I like Story more. Um, just because she's being more assertive. She's going out of her way to actually, like, get some shit done. I enjoyed that. Still hate these boys with everything in my being. And I want them all to die violently by the end of the series. Which we don't think will happen, and we think that we will figure out who Ted is, though. So, that's something. I'll be, if it does end up being Story's mom, I'm gonna, like, Venmo Ashley some money for a great prediction. I'm, like, and that's, like, I came up with that on my own, but then I've seen some other posts where, like, there were a lot of other people that thought that, so. I don't know, I just had another good guess, too, because I think, like, Maybe Augustine would be another good good one. The one who runs the brothel. Mm. I was thinking maybe Pretty Nick, but I feel like he's not. I don't think he's, like, smart enough. Any other final thoughts? Well, we'll see what happens in book three, Lords of Mercy. Yep. You know we're in it for the long haul, so we're going to be reading it no matter what. And we'll put out an episode on it. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> I, I like these episodes, though. I think that they're a nice break from our episodes where we're like, oh my god, we love this series! Because I think it's important that we be authentic about what we read. 
That's one thing you can always count on us for is for us to give our honest opinions. Because, again, we don't make any money from this. No, we do not. All right. So what are we reading this week? Uh, I read the sixth and seventh Ice Planet Barbarian books. I read Captain by Lauren Rowe. I read that with Sarah. It was okay. There was so much dialogue. Um was that like a hockey one or what was that? It, it was recommended. It was like, if you liked uh, The Deal, which was one of the hockey romances that Sarah and I liked, you'll like this. And we tried it and both of us were just like, nah. It relied really heavily on the miscommunication trope, which is my least favorite book trope. I hate it so fucking much. Yeah, I'm not a fan. So both Sarah and I were just kind of like, whatever. Um, I listened to the audiobook for We Hunt the Flame by Hafsa Faisal. I loved the audiobook. There were, so, ha, the series itself is done with two different point of views from, uh, the female main character and the male lead character, and both the voice actors on the audiobook were incredible. Um, and I read Scars by Dana Islay and Cute But Psycho by Beatrix Hollow, which Sarah has been badgering both of us to read for the last, like, two weeks. So she was very excited that I finally read that. Uh, this coming week, I am planning on finishing listening to the second audiobook of The Sands of Arawia, which is the series name for We Hunt the Flame, which is called We Free the Stars. Um, and maybe reading some more Kit Davenport or Raven Kennedy, although I have, I do want to get in some more mafia romances in preparation for next week's episode, so I guess we'll have to see what happens. Always plenty of time to read more mafia books. Um, this week I, I did not read nearly as much as Sam, but I read Wildflower by Willow Hadley in preparation of reading the arc of wandering star that i received and i finished that just in time for the actual release day it was amazing uh we both loved it you know i think that things came together really nicely for cricket and her boys um and we just wanted to congratulate willow for her number one new release sticker on amazon the series is so amazing, and she's just so deserving of that achievement, and we can't wait to see what she comes out with next. Um, if you haven't read any of Willow's books, they are sugary sweet uh, reverse harems. Definitely recommend giving those a read, as well as listening to our episode about her books and her interview. Um, and this week I am going to be reading Cute But Psycho, and I'd like to try to squeeze in some more mafia romance. Um, Sarah's going to be on the podcast with us next week, and she's, like, the true expert on mafia romances. Mm -hmm. So I will probably just take more of a back burner role and just be like, oh, I just fucking love Ronan so much. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the devil you hate, like, that guy, the Niccolo is pretty good from that, too, but... No one ever compares to Ronin. Mm, that's next week is really going to be a Ronin love fest. So prepare yourselves <laughs> for that. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, yes. Congrats to Willow. We're so proud of you, and it's so well deserved. Wandering Star was so good. So if you haven't read it yet, make sure you grab it. All of Willow's books are on Kindle Unlimited, and she's wonderful and such a great friend of the show. So make sure you do that. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. We hope you'll join us next week for our official Mafia episode where our friend Sarah will be joining us to break down all of our favorite Mafia reads. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye!